Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Good afternoon or good evening and welcome to the Vanguard for Spike, the first Jewish MVP of the Muddied Waters Media. Cohen, I am Matt Wright and together we are traversing the uh, yeah, Muddy Waters traversing. of Freedom. Yeah, no, it's yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> I got really confusing there. Since literally, yeah, literally, literally, literally Spike Cohen is with me. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? How are you today? I'm doing I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm doing. I've got uh I'm actually I'm I'm reeling from your from your little your little uh gastronomic venture that you uh that you posted oh. with your very yeah, jealous. It was it, I'm not gonna lie, like that I, I was actually I did not know how that was gonna turn out. And I mean Shane Shane Sweeney Shane Sweeney, Shane Sweeney is hashtag wrong. team tilapia Sweeney. <sighs> um he uh he's wrong he's just wrong he's, he's shane yeah, he's shane like, the vietnamese so much but he's i just wrong everyone has to be wrong on something What's shane shane is wrong about his obsession with vietnamese poop fish otherwise known as tilapia um i was wrong in thinking that i could trust shane uh when it comes to something related to food that's my shortcoming so what I also and I'm making I'm making an amends for that in in this moment. What what I also learned today, uh, and it's it's very upsetting. It's almost precluded South Carolina from being a state that I could ever possibly live in. What happened? You don't have sheets and or Wawa. No, no, and 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 Matt, <laughs> we because. I insulted Shane by saying, do you take dates to Wawa for anniversaries? And he had no idea what that meant. He didn't know what it meant. So I was like, okay, well, maybe they have sheets. And I was like, wait, do you have sheets? And he said, no. And I was like, well, I can't even. You can cross the border like five minutes into North Carolina. I don't, I don't know about Georgia, but like five minutes into North Carolina and there's a sheets uh, going into Charlotte. There's a sheets. And then where I am going into Shalot or whatever it is, there's a sheets. So, I mean, they're nearby, but for whatever reason, there are apparently no sheets or Wawa's. Wawa's a more north thing. I think that's kind of like North Virginia and north of Virginia. But sheets, we've got them just just north of us. But so we, so uh, Wawa, I believe, started in Pennsylvania, and so do sheets. Actually, I think I think both. Probably, yeah. I know they're huge in both those states. When I drive to uh, Toronto and when I drive back, 
nine times out, well, yeah, close to nine times out of ten, we're either stopping at a Sheets, a Wawa, or what's the other big one? Um, further south. Me? Oh, uh, further south is Quick Trip, which is a poor man Sheets, to be honest. Okay. TBH. It's a it's TBH. a poor man's TBH. It's a it's a poor man sheets. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. Like so, where when I where I grew up, sheets was we didn't have Wawa at the time. We only had sheets, and sheets was my two a.m. I'm hammered uh, food, and I loved it, and I still love it. See, um, the, the problem is we have Waffle House, which just floods out everything. Yeah, and that's what happens when you can sell a steak and eggs for like five dollars. It's hard to like, it just drowns out everything else. Yeah, and then when I came down here, we had Wawa everywhere, and there's more of them opening every day, and God bless them. God bless them. Like, if a Sheets came down here, I'd be hard-pressed to be like, nah, I'm still a Sheets guy, because I have now fully injected Wawa right into the bloodstream. Like, I'm mainlining it at this point, but I wouldn't take a date there. That sounds kind of... It sounds kind of dangerous. Um, my <laughs> first ex- <laughs> to mainline a, a business. I uh, uh, my first exposure to Wawa was during the 2012 presidential campaign. Um, Romney showed up at a Wawa to talk about American innovation and acted just you know he was like oh and you know like that yeah you know that you could press the the uh you know on the on the uh, LED, you know LCD screen what you wanted and he was acting and everyone's like isn't that crazy that Mitt Romney's acting that way and I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, that's. I want to do that. Like I was like, that sounds incredible. I share Mitt Romney's joy and 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 uh, uh, shock and amazement at that. Uh, Liz Perez in the house says QT. I, you know, I'm not against Quick Trip, Liz. Um, especially like if you're into pizza, they have those little cheap single serve pizzas. My wife is in love with. Um, this is this is my screen for Wawa. It's right here. Is, is this is your home screen is wawa no no like this is how i order all of my wawa i order it while i'm at my house and then i drive there i don't i don't even take time touching their dirty screens <laughs> that's actually smart though that's a hygienic way of doing it you touch your like, dirty screen instead my, my circulating your own germs right. that's funny so oh first and foremost allow me to thank kroger for this delicious purified drinking water that and, I drink and, whenever I'm in America. And allow me to thank uh, superfan Casey Neff for uh, bringing me the cobble that I'm drinking. Bulavanaka. Casey Neff, by the way, one of our, what was it, 75 cent limerick? Oh, yeah. She, yeah, she's the limerick. Uh, she got the limerick. She is the 75 cent limerick. 75 cent limerick winner. Winner. Casey Neff. That's We're right. going to do more of that. Right. 75. 75- Guys, if you want a limerick written about dirty you, limerick, if you, yeah, if you want to, I mean, it might not be dirty. I don't like. I know Casey can take that. Like she's fine. Well, I get it. Um, but, <laughs> uh, hey, but that's what I maybe, heard. That's the name of her sex tape. Um, <laughs> but uh, I know that Casey can do. It. But if you want a limerick written about you, it only costs seventy five cents. Seventy five uh, cents. Seventy five cents and. All you have to do is uh, donate 75. Just uh, go to the old anchor.fm and give us a donation of 75 cents. And we, one of us will write a limerick about you. 
anchor.fm slash muddiedwaters, and for 75 cents, I will write a limerick, and for 78 cents, the award-winning author Matt Wright will write a better limerick. Best-selling award-winning. Best-selling award-winning author Matthew Wright will write you a really good, probably dirty limerick. Probably, yeah, probably dirty. Probably dirty. So, so thank you. So, speaking of, um, man, there's no segue. Uh, speaking of, uh, I mean, listen, guys. This is this is not the cheerful show that. Here's it, the opposite of the happiness that comes from a limerick from one of us. That's right. The polar opposite. Our oh. um, polar opposite. Uh, is the um, uh, the uh, so some terrible things have happened. If you haven't been awake for the last four or five days, um, we have some bad news for you. Some really, actually, some really terrible things that happened. Uh, in uh, some shootings that happened across the country. The first one was in Gilroy, California. That was actually last week, right? That was that was. This predated the other ones by quite a quite a bit, right? No, I mean by like a day. Oh, was it? See, I thought it was yeah. like no, a week was, before. It may have been two. No, it was like two or three. It would, they were all really close together. They were all pretty close. It was all since the debates. Oh, even the Gilroy one was after the debate. I think the I think the Gilroy one was Thursday. Oh, okay. I think all the right, Gilroy so... one was Thursday. Then El Paso was Saturday. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then like less like twelve hours later was the Dayton one. So there was a, a, a shootings in Gilroy, California, El Paso, Texas, and Dayton, Ohio. Uh, Thirty-one people murdered in, in the total in the three shootings. Dozens of others have been hurt. Um, it has been absolutely devastating. I mean, it, it's obviously any any death or any murder is devastating, but when you think these were three relatively pedestrian places for people to be one was a uh uh, a festival called the garlic festival that they hold every year in gilroy which is a smallish town in in california uh and then there was uh, a shooting at a walmart we've all go to walmart or some other grocery uh, supermarket uh in el paso texas and then the third one was at a uh a nightclub district or or i guess a nightlife district uh, uh, targeted towards a specific uh bar and grill in dayton ohio so these weren't you know 9-11 9-11 was attacks on the Pentagon and the World Trade Center, places that most of us would, would never end up going, much less, you know, be a part of every day. These were kind of small town attacks that, you know, they rock people because besides just the loss of life and the fear and everything, you think I could go to a Walmart or some store or, you know, grab a sandwich at a, you know, grab a drink at a, at a bar or go to some local festival and, and something like this can happen. So it, it really shook everyone. Um, and, uh, to add obviously horror on top of horror, uh, the, uh, um, well, I guess let's talk about the, the motivations, uh, behind the shooters, the, uh, shooter in Gilroy and the shooter in El Paso were similar. Uh, they both, um, the one in El Paso was a lot more explicit, but the one in Gilroy seemed to kind of be in the same, uh, the same, uh, I guess political bandwagon where uh they seem to be kind of white nationalists the one in el paso definitely was uh he does not call himself a trump supporter but only because he thinks trump doesn't go far enough 
and uh, he uh, he's he's kind of a down the line white nationalist. It's very interesting because white nationalists typically are also socialists. They're just socialists just for white people, and right. so he supported universal basic income, which is something that uh, you know Andrew Yang and, and Marianne Williamson support. But he supports it just for white people. Uh, he supports. Um, uh, nationalized health care, which is something that almost every Democrat now supports in some form or another, but just for white people. Um, and uh, and so they did these shootings. The third shooter in Dayton um, was a uh, is actually a Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders supporter. He's a, a Democratic Socialist down the line supporter. He 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 uh, wants socialism to happen sooner than later. And you actually knew something about um, the. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there was something to do with the where he targeted, right? The bar. There was something to do with the bar. Um, there was something to do. It was either with the bar that he targeted, or it had something to do with the district that he targeted. Um, but it was something about how it was like it was favored by like kind of rural rednecky types, and kind of a kind right. of like it, where a lot of conservatives would be, or something like that. And I was and I wasn't clear on whether or not that was the area that it was. That it yeah, took place, or if that was the bar where it happened, yeah. Um, but it was that it was it was the area of Dayton, Ohio, where you would see many of Trump supporters. Yeah, it's like yeah, okay. So Ned Peppers is kind of like a, um, I guess, sort of like a, a cowboy themed restaurant, and so you'd have a lot of, I guess, stereotypical, you know redneck types or you know southern types that would go to something like that um liz Perez also, just kind of, uh sorry to interrupt but liz no Perez, go ahead the, the guy from california and the guy from texas looks so much alike it's creepy which is true but what makes it creepier is that all three of them look so much alike let me see if i can grab that photo of of uh of the shooters because yeah they look like the same person they they could be did anybody see that? Uh, uh, not that they can really answer me, but uh, the three uh, three identical strangers was the name of the documentary. And it was about three twins that had been separated, at, or three a set of triplets that had been separated at birth, and they all ended up finding each other. Um, it was a real story. It happened back in the eighties, uh, and it was just crazy. But they look like they could be a family that was separated yeah it's really weird it's really it's it's really creepy and they also um what am i looking for uh the i think think here let me let me pull it up let me just posted it yesterday that's all i know that's yeah so this is them where is it i just downloaded it it's it's just really like i know i'm taking time to do this but it's really really creepy how similar they all look this is them and like that's creepy as hell um especially the first two they were even wearing like the same glasses but like so the picture that i saw of uh the dayton shooter he was wearing the same type of glasses oh okay yeah i mean you've got three relatively generic looking kind of unremarkable white guys that are all roughly in the same age within five years of each other. Just really, really, really creepy. And 
two had roughly the same motivation and the third one had different motivation. But although ultimately they all had the same motivation. They wanted government to be harming other people to their benefit and they got sick of waiting and decided to take matters into their own hands, um, which is... I mean, it's a horrific thing, and it's 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 what happens when a lot of these people become uh, political radicals as they do these kind of attacks on people. It's yeah. really sad. It is. It is really sad, and everybody's always looking for the answer on, you know, well, what race is the person or what uh, political affiliation is the person or what religion is the person or whatever. And none of that matters. No, it doesn't matter. Um, Fotini Henderson asked, if I donated for a limerick, will you brown paper wrap it? Sure. Yes. Um, Our our friend Bass over at YouTube says, they look like they could all be Muddied Waters hosts. And... (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I think I, we look better than them. I, I know we do. <laughs> I mean, we we definitely. I mean, just the cheekbones. Like, let, I mean, we yeah no, we've got much better. We have classically chiseled features. I have their glasses. Yes, mm-hmm. and so he do does usually as well. Yes, but behind those glasses is something pretty spectacular. He's got laughter in his eyes. I've got the joy of the whole world in this hand. So we got some great stuff that happened as a result of this because it wasn't bad enough that a bunch of people were killed by maniacs. Um, As per usual, we're used to hearing from the Democratic side of the field whenever any kind of tragedy like this happens that this is a reason to take everyone's guns. We're going to take the guns. We got to take the big, especially the big black scary long guns that are scary looking we got to get rid of those and uh even though the vast majority of shootings are from just regular handguns that are not i mean that are are not you know scary assault weapons which are basically medium game hunting rifles um but sadly we live in a new era you see conservatives are the progressives of 15 to 20 years prior and we've now caught up to the late 90s and so now conservatives are pretty well down the road of doing at least some bans of uh, of of guns and the ability to get guns so donald trump tweeted uh we cannot let those killed in el paso texas and dayton ohio die in vain uh it's interesting that he didn't mention gilroy but i i don't think that was a deliberate I, snub yeah i don't think it was i think he had done something uh i think he had done a tweet on gilroy beforehand so i think that because it's Donald Trump, it's whatever's happening right now. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that was. You know, he's he's glad that Gilroy happened or whatever. But anyway, he said likewise for those so seriously wounded. We can never forget them, and those who came before them. Republicans and Democrats must come together and get strong background checks. And then he talks about uh, potentially marrying it to immigration reform, so that you can have the government control your guns and your ability uh, to travel. And right. so. Um, so some are saying, well, oh, and, and Dan Crenshaw, he did the same, uh, or as we now call him, Dan Fudshaw, uh, who said the solutions aren't obvious, even if we pretend they are, but we must try. Let's start with the TAPS Act. 
uh, maybe also implement state red flag laws or gun violence restraining orders, stop them before they can hurt someone. Um, the problem, of course, with this is uh, some people are saying, well, they're not calling for banning guns. You see, they're calling for limiting who can get the guns, and that's completely different. Um, and in some ways, that's way worse. Yeah, I was going to say, that, like, that, that's actually, well, I mean, I don't know if it's way worse, but it's it's the different it's a different side of the same coin it, both are awful both are awful you yes anytime that something like this happens it is a tra- it, it, it's a travesty purely tragedy like in i don't know anybody out there with the exception of people who are rooting for the white nationalists or anything like that who are happy when something like this happens no 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 I can't, there's not a single person out there. Like Everybody's like, oh, yeah, the NRA is probably happy about it. Yeah, no, they're not. No one is happy about this. Nobody is happy when something like this happens. No. It, it is awful. And you get a ton of politicians and pundits and uh, even people who, even people who do, you know, what we, what we do, except on a much smaller scale. Right. Possible. Uh, but... <laughs> But people who do what we do, and they do uh, emotion-based, they want emotion-based legislation. Right. And they don't think about the fact that emotion-based legislation ends up restricting the future for, well, the rest of society. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, we need to fix this here. We need to fix this now. We need to do something. We need to do this. Bam. This is done. Right. It ends up with people down the line not being able to protect themselves or not being able to travel freely or not being able to pick any pick any freedom or right that you love you know not being able to say the words that you want to say because you might end up being thrown in jail or fined or whatever or uh, killed or killed right you could end up dead. killed right yeah yeah also side note chris reynolds found out about 8chan today <laughs> He asked me, he was like, what is 8chan? And I was like, it's like 4chan. It's 4chan times two. Without the class. Um, It's 4chan without like the redeeming, like wholesome memes and, and, you know, people talking about how well their day went. It's just pure hate. Right. Um, And he's right. There's definitely a lot of people that are happy. That's very happy about what happened. But again, 8chan is 4chan without the class. So, I mean, that kind of gives you an idea of who's happy. Yeah, uh, this is not the general public that's happy, or even the general Trump supporting public, or the general Liz Warren supporting public, or I mean, it, it, the vast majority of people who are not total sociopaths are not happy that this happened. Th- this is not. No one's cheering that this happened. We're all horrified by this. Yeah. We're also worried about the unintended or possibly intended consequences of some of this legislation that's being proposed. Oh, by the way, you know, we did mention that the Democrats uh, or the Republicans had had, you know, we we had Trump with his tweet and we had uh, Crenshaw with his tweet. And apparently my beloved Marianne Williamson also tweeted something. And uh, so the uh, it's neither. Can you leave that up just a little bit longer? I mean, it was just a thing that she said that it's, you know, whatever. Uh, Long story short, long story short, see, uh, 
She wasn't happy. I saw something about outlawing something. Something that I don't remember. Um, but yeah, Hillary Clinton uh, jumped out on the uh, we need to get rid of all the guns. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, every every Democrat out there is, and many Republicans are doing the exact same thing because there is no real difference between the two main parties. Not not at this point. No, it's it's a rhetoric thing, and even their rhetoric, there's less and less daylight between their rhetoric. What conservatives are doing is saying, well, instead of banning any type of gun, we just need to limit who gets them. But but here's the problem with that. If we banned, let's say we banned AR-15s and guns that are similar to AR-15s, which means pretty much any medium to small caliber semi-automatic hunting rifle. And the result of that would be that you couldn't buy those anymore legally. And if you committed a crime and used one of those, you'd have an additional charge. The odds of them, just like with this bump stock thing, you don't see the ATF out trying to, you know, kicking down people's door looking for uh, bump stocks just because it's not practical to try to do that. What you would have is, you know, gun buybacks and amnesties and whatever, and most people would just hold on to their guns. The problem with these red flag laws is that all it takes, and I'm not as familiar with the TAPS Act. I'm not sure. Do you know what the TAPS Act is? No, I, I'm not as familiar with the TAPS Act. Um, I meant to look that up today, but then... No problem. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up in a second. But the thing with the red flag laws, the red flag laws were designed that if you know someone who is potentially an imminent threat to you know those around them, an imminent threat to others, you can call the police and the police can come and tell the person, we're taking your gun temporarily until we can figure out if everything's okay. It's like a wellness check, but also they confiscate your gun, which is a violation of your Fourth Amendment rights, your Second Amendment rights, a bunch of other stuff. It's a violation of your freedoms, and it has killed, I think I think something like 10 people have already been killed by police in various uh, red flag law situations where they were not committing any crime, they were in their own home, and the police showed up and told them, I'm taking your gun because someone called and told the police on you, which if you've ever had a meme reported on Facebook or, you know, ever, ever had anyone report you on social media, those are the people who are going to get mad at you, find out what your address and name are, and call the police and say that you're a danger and to go pick you up. So it's it's a really dangerous thing, these red flag laws. Right. And the TAPS Act doesn't look like it's much better. I just I just did a quick Google on it. And uh, it opens with, for decades, a process to identify, investigate, assess, and mitigate threats has been in place to counter targeted violence. Uh, pioneered by the Secret Service, if it if it works to protect the president, elected officials, foreign dignitaries, blah blah blah. Why aren't we using it to protect our children and local communities? Which anytime that somebody says we need to do this for the children, I automatically question it because they are using that as a political tool, and it it's a dirty trick yeah. to try to get emotion out of people. Uh, but it will standardize and provide a behavioral threat assessment and management process across the federal government, uh, provide the states with training resources and support needed to stand up uh, community-based multidisciplinary behavioral threat assessments. And basically, if you start, what this is saying is if you're acting in a way that somebody sees a behavioral threat, they can come in and try and take your weapons is what I so, believe, or arrest you, is what it looks like. It sounds like... A really quick Google search and... Yeah, yeah, And that's it, on uh, Brian Babin's website. Brian Babin? 
Shout out to Brian Babin. We uh, that sounds like pre-crime, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's, it's Minority Report. Yeah, it's like we without the technology. You're acting you know, just with jerks on databases going. Yep, let's let's take his gun. Uh, it sounds like it's like if you s- express frustration online and say, you know, this person, this you know, I need to throw this guy in a wood chipper or something like that. Now you're gonna have Secret Service after you. Uh, instead of dealing with that, we already have laws against making terroristic threats. So this is going a step past that and saying, well, if you start to act kind of funny, uh, then you know we're going to step in and do something. Bass says, I'm sure no jilted lovers will ever use this act maliciously. Exactly. Right. Like this is this is a really, 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 really bad idea. And Trump also tweeted that you know that some stuff about you know uh, video games. Which is uh, that? Um, there's your First Amendment. So Sarah Sarah Anderegg, uh, mm-hmm. she said, as a parent, sorry, not as a parent on the airplane I'm on right now is talking about the shootings and ranting about video games being the influence. Yeah, no, that's Wait, definitely it. I remember hearing, I remember hearing this when Columbine happened. Yeah, and it was the video games, and people blamed uh, the movie Heather's, and which I thought was weird. <laughs> Heathers came out in like Heathers? Yeah. I yeah. Um but they 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 constantly look and blame anything they can except for what needs to be blamed. And in all honesty, of the I think it's of the twenty-seven people who have been arrested for mass shootings this year, I think it's twenty-seven. I'm don't quote me on that number. Uh, I think 26 of them grew up without a dad. They found father figures in other areas that weren't good people, and they ended up. This was sort of the road that they went down. Like, right? Like, I'm not somebody who's like, yeah, you need a strong nuclear family, blah blah blah. But in many cases, having a dad in the picture, having a dad and a mom in the picture, <laughs> is, it, it's important to the growth of a human. Especially for this particular problem, which is like men with problem, young men with problems who, you know, decide that this is the best way to do it. And and, and not just with, you know, we, we, white mass shooters, but there are, you know, a, a, we, a lot of people get attacked that when a, you know, when a black person commits a, a violent crime, we call them thugs and, you know, scum or whatever and, and say that, you know, that's just how they are or whatever. And when we talk about white people, we start talking about the roots of what caused whatever. This is just as true with a lot of these, you know, young black men that are that are getting caught up in, in violent stuff and white men and everything else. I, I think whether it's a father or whatever else, uh, most boys... If they don't have a strong, positive male role model in their lives, I think that are they all going to become mass shooters or criminals or whatever? No, but I think it it, it presents potential problems. Are there mass shooters who had great family structures and everything else? Absolutely. But I think, you know, uh, Sean said, just treat each other like human beings is the start of the solution. I think you have a lot of people that have learned to be dehumanized and dehumanize others and by the time they're in their 20s, they're weaponized. They're ready to kill people and have been for quite some time. But now they have the means and ability to actually do so. And it's um, it's scary as hell. I mean, going back to this video game thing. First of all, so this is a boomer refrain. This is a common boomer refrain that it's not they're not the only ones saying it, but they're the ones you're most likely to hear it from that, 
you know, the video games are just so realistic and you're fully immersive and they're killing people. And they've been saying this since the days of like Nintendo 64 with like James Bond, Goldeneye and stuff like that. As soon as, even with like Wolfenstein 3D and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, especially with like the sh- the first person shooters, when like Doom and Wolfenstein 3D and stuff came out, they're like, that's not going to make people want to kill people. The average boomer wo- went, uh, was raised on cartoons where the characters gleefully and routinely murdered each other multiple times in an episode. And the whole episode was about how they needed to murder each other for various, like, trivial reasons. I don't like this rabbit. I'm going to murder him. Wabbit. And then... What's that? Wabbit. Wa- sorry, wabbit. I don't He's like a- this wabbit. I'm going to murder him. Wabbit. This wascally wabbit. I have to moido him. And that was that was a terrible Elmer Fudd, and I apologize. Elmer Fudd. But so they were raised on that, and then they'd go outside and dress like cowboys and indigenous peoples, and they would and they would shoot at each other with cap guns that had little bits of gunpowder in it. Now you got me that some of these 3D games are pretty immersive and pretty realistic. There is nothing more realistic than walking up to your friend and pointing a revolver at him and shooting him in the head. And he goes, ah, I got some of that on my face. Because, you know, it pops out and whatever. Like, I was that last generation of kids that had cap guns. And they had already made them less powerful. And you could still hurt someone just being close enough to them that it just kind of burned them a little. That's far more immersive than anything in the newest Halo or... Red Dead Redemption or what have you. Like, I mean... Yeah, it's like when uh, Grand Theft Auto was the biggest game out there. And yeah. pe- and people were like, oh, this is going to cause people to want to go around and kidnap hookers and <laughs> kill them and steal tanks. Well, stealing tanks, you know. Who doesn't want to steal a tank? Let's I mean, be clear. Let's but, be clear here. But not everybody is going to play... Uh, Grand Theft Auto and then go okay well now I need to go find a hooker and Uh then take the money that I paid her for sex and kill her like no no I never did that that or the people that wanted to do that before playing the game yeah yeah and the same thing with movies music whatever you want to blame on these external things if you take someone that's got some serious problems and expose them to this stuff, is there going to be a problem? Yeah, but that's always been the case. People used to, like, again, if you look at the cartoons of today where people are outraged because there's, like, a gay character or something, it's like, oh, my gosh. At least it's, you know, that's so much worse than Looney Tunes where Bugs Bunny would dress up like a woman, make out with Elmer Fudd, and then murder him. We have, like, it's just... There's always been, and if you listen to like the jazz music and the rhythm of blues music of the ten of the nineteen tens and twenties and thirties, it's. I mean, they talk about violence and sex and everything else. Like this myth that you know you're gonna have more murder if if the games or movies are more violent. It's just if anything, those things are a catharsis that you know can can help people vent and and not explode let's also talk about the fact that the murder rate has been steadily dropping since the 1970s even with these mass shootings the murder rate is down markedly from its peak in the in the in the 70s which is when gun control was at its highest 
as gun control went down, so did the murder rate. I'm not saying that there's a direct cause or correlation. I'm saying that that is a very powerful data point against the narrative that gun control saves lives. It doesn't, at least not in the U.S. True. And to quote Eminem, who I don't quote often, but you can blame it on Maryland, Maryland or the heroin, but where were the parents at? That's why I didn't have kids. That's not true. But <laughs> so can't blame this on either of us. Right. Because we don't have kids. Um, yeah. No, the, it, the thing is the, the, the entire week was a tragedy and it's awful. And I know a lot of people say that uh, if you don't want to do something about it, you don't care about human life. And that's, just not true no that's That's nonsense even a little bit you you still care about human life you care deeply about human life it's you want people to be able to protect themselves in all circumstances everywhere yeah that is the difference maker in my mind and you, you can disagree with me and that's fine and I know like a lot of my a lot of my friends that I've known for a long time, they they do disagree with me. They think that because I'm not for gun control and I think that I should be able to own whatever weapon I want, uh, I don't care about human life and you know, I'm part of the problem and I'm allowing this stuff to happen. But no, it's you see it one way, I see it a different way. And the only difference is I want to be able to protect me, my family, my friends if a situation ever arises. And that's all it is. That's right. that's literally what it is. My thing is, I'm an anarchist. I don't know, I was 40 minutes in. Uh, here's my little anarchist rant. The U.S. government is both the largest terrorist organization and the largest black market arms dealer in human history. Uh, they operate a massive, brutal global empire that results in the massacre of civilians, countless numbers of civilians every year. They also operate a uh, the largest prison population uh, in human history, both in terms of percentage of the population and, and raw numbers. Uh, it's actually gone down slightly over the last five, four, five to six years, but it's it, 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 a huge prison population, make up a quarter of the, the, the current prison population, despite making up 4% of the total human population. I, most of those people that are in jail are people of color, uh, poor people and people of color, uh, who are in there for uh, victimless crimes where they didn't actually harm anybody. Um, any talk about reducing violence, particularly gun violence or weapons violence, but violence in general. Oh, and the leaders of this government are constantly dehumanizing someone in some form or another, whether it's foreign people or immigrants or, or you know, white male gun owners or whatever. They're dehumanizing someone to create an enemy and a scapegoat uh, to 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 blame all of society's ails on, and when you when so all these combine all these things combined tell me that any conversation about reducing violence that isn't centered around disarming or at least greatly reducing the size scope, power and lethality of the U.S. government is not a serious discussion about ending violence. It's a, it's a discussion about fear of people with you know individual people with guns, but it isn't it isn't actually a serious data driven discussion about ending violence. So there. So we had some, I guess, good news or silver linings. Uh, In the El Paso shooting, there was a guy named Glenn Oakley who 
is a total total hero do, matt do you, i think you know a little bit more about glenn before i play this video uh glenn oakley hang on one sec uh curtis lupton said so murder rates are down but immigrants have raised murder to record highs we didn't say that right yeah no we've never said that um i didn't think so Immigrants, both legal and illegal, are um, statistically less likely to commit uh, violent crimes than uh, American than American citizens are. In fact, there is uh, the massive influx of immigrants to the U.S. in the 90s actually contributed to the overall reduction in the violent crime rate because they they increased the overall population by a pretty good jump without providing a a, a correlating increase in violent crime. So no, uh, we've never. We've never said that. Not here. Okay. Um, yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't think we said that, but I'm going to double check that. Um, <laughs> Curtis, we also don't want a wall. Yeah. No. Um, we don't agree with the wall. We don't, we don't agree with the wall. Right. So uh, Glenn Oakley, he was a, uh, he was a member of the military. Uh, mm-hmm. He was hanging out at Foot Locker next door to, at, next door to the Walmart. The Walmart. Yeah. Like, yeah, some kids ran in and they're like, somebody's shooting at the Walmart, and they were like, okay. And he thought that the uh, kid, he thought that the kids were joking or whatever initially, and so he walked outside and he says that he heard the pop pop, and so he pulls out his gun. He pulls out his gun and he goes to check it out, um, but and he saw kids running and he's grabbing the kids and trying to get them out of there. Uh, and then the police stopped him because they thought he may have been the shooter. And Glenn Oakley is a black, uh, he's black. I was like, black gentleman, black person. He's a black guy. Black black guy. guy. He's a black guy. So the police stopped him. He showed him that, you know, he's like, look, I I'm licensed to carry. I'm not the shooter. They said that there was a shooter in there. Right. 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 Uh, they stopped him from going in, which, um, so he ended up, going and grabbing kids and running away with them and saved multiple at least pulled them away from the danger um and it was it was really brave for him to do everything that he did and when somebody messaged him about it uh and said hey what you did was really great he he replied with i could have done better yeah yeah so this is uh, this is a uh, a short video where he was interviewed shortly after the shooting. First of all, just the fact. Keep in mind when you're listening to this, this just happened. Like I, just I think, happened. so just the composure of this guy to even like talk about it coherently. So here's the video of him talking about what what had just happened in El Paso, New Jersey. A little kid runs in and talking about an active shooter in Walmart, but being the guy that's uh that works there, we're just like he's a kid, so we didn't believe him. So I walk out the mall, go to Foot Locker, I hear pop pop. I got my life scared, so I pulled my gun out. And uh, I just started to hide, and they, they closed the footlocker. And some uh, some people went there, they were so scared, they just lifted the cage, and they just dipped. So I ran with them, and I just tried to make my way to the, uh, to the parking lot. And I see a whole bunch of kids just running around, you know, without their parents and stuff. So I got my bag in my hand, I'm trying to pick them up one more, as many as I can, just run out. But they're so, like, you know, anxious, they're, like, jumping out of my hand. So ain't much I could do for the kids. So I just made my way out, and uh, when I got out, the uh, I guess one of the cops thought I was a shooter or something, so I had to like show him my clip and stuff, show him it was the full guy. I'm like, scary. He said I was fine. Go out. I called a friend, tell him to come pick up my gun, and I'm here now. But uh, it's 
it's, it's a, it was just a whole bunch of kids up in there. I'm sorry, I'm shaking. But it was a whole bunch of kids, kids in there. And I just hope nothing happens to the kids. Cause they were out, they were out their parents and stuff. I tried to pick up as many as I could and bring them out with me. But, but I was just so worried about those kids, man. Because ain't no telling. Because I, I heard it was more than one shooter. I heard it was four. And I'm just worried about those kids. I wasn't even really worried about I was trying to pick up the kids, man. I, I wasn't really worried about myself, so. You know, it just brings back flashbacks of, you know. It's just, uh, I, I just hope the kids are. That's all I'm thinking about right now is the kids. I'm not even worried about myself right now. I'm just worried about those kids. That's, in, I mean, he's upset he didn't do more. Right. He's worried about the kids. Incredible composure. Again, like. I like that. Like you, you were just you know, part potentially gonna you know engage a shooter, and dealing with the cops and knowing that they see a guy with a gun. Forget a black guy with a gun. Guy with a gun. Period. Any guy with a gun showing up to a shooting, you know, you're you're already you know ready for the worst. And so to go through all that and then, and then still be that composed, it's incredible. There's that um. That quote from Mr. Rogers when he says that, you know, whenever a terrible thing would happen on TV, his mother would say, you know, look for the helpers and, you know, focus on the people that are doing the good in the most terrible situations. This is a perfect example of that. Like, this guy is the quintessential helper. And I, I have nothing but good things to say about the guy. No, um, like he So one of the things that everybody always does is they always report on the shooters or, you know, the people who caused these events to happen. And yeah. they're like, yeah, you know, this is so-and-so he grew up in whatever, uh, you know, he's this old, this is his background. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Those aren't the people I ever want to remember. I want to remember the Glenn Oakley's. I want to remember yeah. the people who actually went out and, you know, they, they tried to help or they did help. Yeah. And they did what they could to make a difference because, those are the people that matter. Those are the people that are important. Those are the people that we should be celebrating. We shouldn't be talking about the different shooters and the different cases. Uh, this is one of the first times I don't even know the shooters' names because I didn't even want to learn them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I saw Glenn Oakley and I said, you know what? Glenn Oakley deserves to be remembered. Glenn Oakley deserves to be talked about. Yeah. yeah. He's got Absolutely. Yeah, I it, I get why we talk about the shooters. I get it. Like, there's this sort of morbid curiosity as to what drove them to do it. There is this, um, the politicians line up to, you know, blame, you know, the rhetoric of the other side or whatever for the actual, you know, shooting that happened. So I get why it happens. It just isn't actually helpful to anyone. Like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't help. Uh, and to look at, I think it's way more helpful to look at someone like a Glenn Oakley as a, not saying every single person is built to rush into a Walmart during a shooting, but to look at people who are actually trying to help. I'm sure there are many other heroes, people trying to raise money for funerals and, and, and hospital expenses and, you know, people that are helping with blood drives and all that sorts of stuff. I think if we focused if we got the politics and the morbid curiosity out of it and focused on the people that help after these terrible things, these people that who decide to help others, which way outnumber the people trying to harm. For every shooter, there's probably 
couple hundred people out there trying to help in one way or another, however they can. Um, I think that we focus on them because I think that that makes this, it doesn't make it any less scary or any less terrible what happened, but it puts in perspective that this world isn't filled with shooters. It's filled with helpers. And there are a couple really bad people and we shouldn't leave people defenseless to those really bad people. So, um, 